Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. President Joe Biden has arrived in Mexico today, meeting, of course, with Mexican President Lopez Obrador. Uh, all kinds of things on the agenda from immigration and border security, mitigating drug smuggling, cartel activity, trade deals, and on and on it goes. And within Mexico, there's also a delicate dance with democracy going on. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, as we look at what will take place uh, with President Biden and President Obrador, uh, we we are focusing on a lot of the obvious things in terms of negotiation and trade and uh, the border and so on. Uh, But we also need to recognize and understand what's actually going on in Mexico. And to help us break all of that down, really pleased to have back on the show Samuel Benson, staff writer for the Deseret News National Team, focuses on politics and culture. And Samuel, thanks for joining us. Boyd, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, Great piece uh, at Deseret.com that people can check out talking about the state of democracy in Mexico and this delicate dance that is kind of behind the scenes, but there's a whole lot going on that we ought to be aware of. Break it down for us. Sure. And Boyd, I think you're spot on with President Biden's visit. Everyone's focusing on immigration or on energy or on trade. Um, And I think one of the really central aspects of this visit by President Biden and what Mexico has been going through over the last couple of months are debates over their elections. I mean, in the U.S., we've been dealing with, for several years now, claims of election fraud or electoral reforms. And Mexico is dealing with much of the same. So President Lopez Obrador proposed a series of changes a few months ago to Mexico's electoral institution, which oversees elections across the whole country. Uh, Things that would shrink this institution, they would change the size of Congress, And a lot of the critics to this plan are saying it would be really dangerous to the health of the nation's electoral democracy, uh, saying that it would weaken um, candidates' ability to get on ballots and it would strengthen President Lopez Obrador's party. So there's a lot of consternation, a lot of talk about it. And I think it's something that should be on people's minds as they read these conversations between Biden and Trudeau and and Lopez Obrador this week. Yeah, dig into that for us just a little bit in terms of uh, what you saw down there, in terms of what's happening in the streets. And obviously, uh, we all get nervous when we start hearing about consolidation of power or changing election law uh, by a a single person as opposed to by the Congress. Uh, Give us some sense on the ground what's happening. Sure. So I was there in November, and on November 13th, there was a huge protest from Mexico City as well as a dozen other cities throughout throughout the, the country um, and, and the folks were there in support of INE, which is the National Electoral Institute. The Spanish acronym is INE or INE is what they call it. Um, and there were there were hundreds of thousands of folks there in Mexico City as well as in, in other cities. And, and they were claiming that if, if INE is consolidated, the size of it is shrunk, funding to it is slashed, 
that it would be very, very harmful for elections. The proposal that President Lopez Obrador introduced ended up failing in the, in the Mexican Senate but because it made changes to the, the Constitution of Mexico. Mm. And you have to have a two-thirds majority in Mexico in order to make changes to the Constitution. And so when that faltered in the Senate, he had a backup plan. He called it his Plan B, which is a toned-down series of reforms that ended up passing the Senate. But now it's being deliberated over by the Mexican Supreme Court. Um, and that Plan B, although it is smaller, it's still very, very influential. Um, instead of cutting all of the local and regional offices of INE, it just shrinks their size. Instead of shrinking the size of Congress, it only shrinks the size of uh, the, uh, the House in Mexico. And so it is a smaller um, maybe proposal, but one that would be nonetheless influential, especially what the critics say. They say it would be very harmful to the health of their elections going forward. There was a presidential election, I should add, Boyd, in 2024. And President Lopez Obrador can't run for re-election. A Mexican president can only serve one six-year term. Mm. But his party, of course, can maintain power, Marina Party. Oh, that's, that's so fascinating. And, and so give us a sense uh, on the street. This is uh, obviously we've got things going on in Brazil. We've seen our own challenges here in the United States uh, on the street. What are the people what are the people talking about? Is this something that is top of mind or do all those other issues that uh, people are actually dealing with day to day kind of driving those conversations? What's the word on the street? Sure. Yeah. So they say in, in Mexico, um, the language of politics is, is the demonstration. And so there are plenty of protests and plenty of demonstrations in Mexico City or throughout the country with, with some frequency. But as I spoke to people in early November during this, this big protest in support of INE, they said this is the biggest they've seen in years, perhaps even before President Lopez Obrador's presidency. Uh, the interesting thing is two weeks later, um, President Lopez Obrador held his own protest, almost to say, all right, if my critics are going to protest, I can I can one-up them. And he led a day-long protest through the streets of Mexico City, celebrating the four years of his administration and two more years to come. And so you kind of see this back and forth of individuals showing their support through marching, through demonstrating. It started at the Angel of Independence, which is this big statue in the center of Mexico City, and they walked all the way. Uh, to the the monument to the revolution, which is this huge part of what was once, you know, the dictator Porfirio Diaz's palace, and now is this monument to the Mexican Revolution. And so, this the symbolism there, the idea that these individuals say that they're there to protect, um, you know, all that came from the Mexican Revolution, their independence, and they think that their elections are so essential to a thriving democracy. Of course, President Lopez Obrador says the changes he's making would be good for the country. And bring stability and bring changes in accordance to what his party and, and he believes. Uh, so it's this interesting back and forth. And as I spoke to individuals there on the street, it seems like everyone was there for the same reason. They believe that they had this strong faith in, in INE being kind of a symbol of Mexican democracy and wanted to protect it, whatever that meant. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm. 
So, so you mentioned that uh, President uh, Obrador cannot run for re-election in 2024. His party, can, of course, can remain in power. Uh, so how does, how does that shape things up, uh, in, knowing that he can't uh, continue to hold on to power? Uh, how do, what, what's the infighting going on there, the positioning? What does that look like? Sure. So one of the mistakes that critics of President López Obrador say that he's made is that with this proposal, um, he's he's enjoyed thus far a pretty successful uh, tenure. I mean, he's been there for four years. His approval rating is in the 60s. And so he's wildly popular. Mm-hmm. But with these proposed changes to INE, he's kind of united a fractured opposition, albeit, you know, un- unwittingly. Uh, in this march on November 13th, it was sponsored by two former presidential candidates from other parties. And two of the opposing parties actually supported the march. And so there are a lot of other people besides his party, Morena, that are obviously trying to get into the presidential race now being less than two years away, about 18 months away. Um, and these changes may have united that fractured you know, opposition. And I would also add the history of Mexican politics is one of one party control. Um, there was a party pre PRI that, that held control in Mexico for over 70 years from the end of the revolution in the 1920s until 2000. Um, and so people in Mexico are very, very acutely aware of the danger of having one party that has outsized control. And so although President Lopez has been wildly popular and has been wildly successful in his main goals of welfare reform and other things that are similar, people are very cognizant and perhaps a little uh, hesitant uh, to allow a single party to maintain control for elongated periods of time. Fascinating. And then final question for you, Sam, as we uh, round things out. Uh, with all of that as a, as a backdrop, as uh, the president uh, has his meeting there with President Obrador, uh, again, kind of beyond the headlines of, of what's happening, how should this focus on the elections and that concentration of power, how should that either shed light or cause concern for President Biden as he goes into a lot of these crucial conversations? Yeah, of course, President Biden is there with President Trudeau of Canada. Um, and the main goal of this whole conversation is dealing with economics, whether that be through migration or through trade. Uh, we know the history of NAFTA and other trade agreements in North America. Um, but I think it's very important simply that the United States is dealing with many of the same issues. Uh, there's been a lot of consternation, as I mentioned, over the last four or six years about the fairness of election, people claiming fraud, people claiming this and that. And so in the United States, we know what it's like uh, to have fair and free elections and the importance of it. And so if anyone can speak to President Lopez Obrador and work through this together, I think it's President Biden, mm. but if not the individual, but the mantle that he holds as president of the United States of America. That said, I don't think this is something that the United States can go in and solve. This is an issue that the Mexican people and the Mexican Senate and and executive branch have to deal with on their own. And that's what we're seeing. I mean, the Supreme Court has continued to deliberate, and the Mexican Senate will take up these reforms again in their next session in February. And so going forward, I think that's what we'll see more, and it's certainly worth keeping an eye on President Biden's conversations. Fantastic. Sam Benson uh, joining us. From Deseret News, a great piece there. you got to check that out at Deseret.com today. Because, again, it's not just the headline of uh, what the president's going to talk about. There is some extraordinary and a very delicate dance with democracy that Mexico continues to have. A big thanks to Sam for joining us. And uh, I think all of us should be uh, really looking at not just the headlines on this. There's a lot underneath it. And often when we look at these democracies, especially in South America, in Mexico, uh, they're, they're very tenuous. And so we need to make sure we're looking at what is it that we can do to help strengthen that. We can't solve it. As Sam said, he was spot on. Uh, it's how do we help support it and strengthen it. And I think a lot of that goes to not just trade, 
but are we helping them establish systems within their government that can support entrepreneurs? Because ultimately, it's entrepreneurs that drive democracy, and that will make that delicate dance that Sam described actually work. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.